Hello, everyone, and welcome to KZMU's 2021 Candidate Roundtable. I'm Sarah Mead, Station Manager at KZMU Moab Community Radio. Thank you to all of our listeners as well. A few more thank yous that are in order to the Grand County League of Women Voters. Thank you for sponsoring this event and for partnering with KZMU on other educational events during the recent and unusual times. We'd also like to thank the Moab Arts and Recreation Center for hosting this evening. KZMU is committed to the safety of our staff, listeners, and participants of tonight's event, so we're following COVID safety protocols as best we can. We are proud to present this event in alignment with our mission to inform, educate, engage, entertain, and connect the communities of Southeastern Utah. And finally, on Indigenous Peoples Day, we acknowledge this land as Ute territory. KZMU is committed to honoring and lifting up the Indigenous history of this place, as well as the voices and stories of all Native people living here today. We encourage our listeners to learn and take action to support Indigenous organizations and individuals in our community. And with that, I'm going to pass it off to KZMU's News and Public Affairs Director, Molly Marcello, host of tonight's event. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, volunteers, and thank you, candidates, for being with us. During this next hour, we will be with the six candidates running for mayor of Moab. Uh, but before we get to the mayoral candidates, we're actually going to first hear from Moab City staff about ranked choice voting. Ranked choice is a new way of voting for our community, and recorder Summer Johnson will be explaining how it works. Summer, you can com come on up here. Um, she's going to briefly explain for our listening audience for our own edification. So this year, the city of Moab has elected to participate in the Ranked Choice Voting Pilot Program. We are one of 23 cities that have opted into the program. It is just that, a pilot program. We are not locked into it, but the Utah Ranked Choice Voting folks made a presentation to the mayor and city council earlier this year, and they voted unanimously to join in the pilot program and try it out for this election. So ranked choice voting is a little bit different than your standard ballot. Um, it is a process in which voters will rank the candidates in the order of their preference. And as you go through and you rank your candidates, you do wanna make sure you rank the candidates, all of them if possible. Um, if you were to only rank one candidate and that candidate was the first one eliminated, then you don't have the opportunity to participate in the rest of the election. So you wanna make sure you rank the candidates in your order of preference. If you're interested in finding out more information, uh, we have a lot of information available on the elections page on the city's website, which is www.moabcity.org. Um, and there is an elections tab just right at the top. There are some videos that give information on how ranked choice voting tabulation works. There's a sample ballot available. There's lots of frequently asked questions, important dates and deadlines to remember. So if you need information about the election, please go there or contact the recorder's office at 259-2683. Thank you, Summer, 
for the Ranked Choice Voting Explainer. Election day is Tuesday, November 2nd. Registered voters should be receiving their ballot by mail this week, so heads up on that. Um, now, let's go to the mayoral candidates. Uh, again, there are six people before me running to be Moab City's next mayor. Um, it's up to you listeners and voters to decide who will best represent you for the next four years. Um, we're gonna start with some rapid fire intros. So candidates have been asked to state their name and quickly list three top issues they are most interested in addressing if they are elected to be mayor of Moab. Um, candidates, feel free to approach uh, the microphone in any order. Do I have a volunteer to go first? My name is Aaron Davies, uh, running for mayor. I will uh, help to improve the housing situation, increase the supply, reducing the price. Also to keep an eye on the spending, making sure that we're spending on wants rather than needs. Perfect. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Rapid fire intros. Okay. It look, looks like Kent wants to go next. Hi. My name's Kent Grant. Um, I'm running for mayor. Hopefully we can uh, solve some problems with uh, housing and our infrastructure and, and just uh, working for the city of Moab. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm Joette Langanese and I'm running because I know that our residents come first and I believe I have the experience and leadership to make that happen at City Hall. Great, thank you so much. Another intro, looks like Sherry. I am Sherry, your first choice mayor hopeful, Sherry Costanza. I'm running with the hopes of bringing together our great community um, with focus on our younger population and I would like to see a more logical and sustainable solution to our housing issue. Great. My name is Bill Winfield, thank you for inviting me. I'm a local business owner here in Moab independent, fiscally conservative, socially aware. I'm running on housing, housing, and housing, and hopefully some integrity and transparency at City Hall. Thank you. All right, Stephen. Hi, my name is Stephen Stocks, a candidate for mayor. I knocked on roughly 800 homes in the last four weeks, and the three major issues that stood out were one, addressing the crumbling infrastructure, two, addressing affordable housing, three, leadership, and addressing that through communication and transparency. And I believe as a professional, I'm capable of doing this. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much candidates for those introductions. Um, I will take a minute to explain how tonight's event will work. First off, KZMU and the League of Women Voters have drafted general questions that will be posed to all candidates. Uh, once we're through those, our media partners at the Times Independent and the Moab Sun News will be asking individualized questions to each candidate based on statements that candidate has made to their paper. And if we have time, uh, we will pose a listener-submitted question to all of the candidates. Uh, candidates will be under time limits when answering questions. Our amazing timekeeper, Bonita Kolb, is here from the Grand County League of Women Voters. Candidates will have 90 seconds to respond to each question. When they have 15 seconds left, Bonita will hold up a sign that reads 15 seconds. When they've reached 90 seconds, she will ring a little bell. <laughs> that means candidates uh, should finish their sentence and leave the microphone. Uh, we've asked our live audience to keep a respectful silence after each candidate speaks um, and reserve their applause until the end of the event. Uh, we are here to participate in an important exercise in democracy, and we aim to treat everyone in this space with fairness and equity. Candidates will be answering questions in rotating alphabetical order. So without further ado, let's go to the first question. 
Sherry Costanza is up first with Aaron Davies on deck. So question one, the mayor of Moab can be a thought leader, someone with big ideas and a vision for the town, but the mayor's main responsibility is setting the council's agendas, moving through those agendas in council meetings and setting the tone for those meetings. Ideally, this person should be collaborative, capable of working with sometimes divergent interests to help reach agreement. So can you tell us about your experience in collaborative work and your familiarity with effectively running a meeting? Um, <clears throat> we're talking like conflict resolution and things. I have four kids, a husband, a mother-in-law, and pets at home. So every day is conflict resolution in my life. Um, I could talk about my time as president of the FFA when I was younger for many years and National Young Leaders Conference and all of those structured meetings. I know how to run a meeting, know how to keep agenda. It's, it's basic. Um, I, don't, I don't know much else to say about that. Thank you, Sherry. Um, Aaron, you're up next. Tell us about your experience in collaborative work and your familiarity with effectively running a meeting. I have run meetings before, uh, private groups. I have uh, ran meetings. So, of course, I was on the uh, Castle Valley Town Council. Did not run the meetings, but I did participate in that. So I've got those years of actually being in that seat. Uh, yes, you point out you see that as uh, one of the more important things. It's important because it happens every two weeks, but I don't think it's the deeper thing that's the important part. Uh, so I uh, left business school to get a degree in political science because I was fascinated with how do we all gather together and make this thing work. And Moab is a wonderful example of how we have all these variety of differences. So I think that my job as mayor would be more rather to bring us together. Uh, it would be developing those relationships with the council uh, before the meetings so that when we get there we can actually do the work. The work actually happens in those meetings. So those are the things that I see as important. I have certainly done management uh, in restaurants and grocery stores over the years. I've had a lot of experience managing people, managing people from all over the world, in fact, uh, diverse backgrounds. Uh, <clears throat> I've certainly worked in the area of collaboration, the most recently being working with uh, this, the papers that I worked at. I sold the advertising, but we all worked together to produce each month's paper, and there were a variety of types of papers that we worked on. Otherwise, I think just my own experience as a human being, I've had some rough roads, I've had some dark years in my life, and I've come through that. I've learned how to be persistent, I've learned how to be committed to new goals, I've learned how to change and improve, and I can do that for our city as well. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Aaron. Kent, you're up next. Well, I wonder where I start. I worked for the Grand County Sheriff's Office for 21 plus years. Uh, during that time, my last five years of uh, being a deputy, I ran the Grand County Jail, uh, which became the commander. Uh, I learned how to budget, learned how to run meetings, uh, employees, staffing, uh, incarcerated individuals. Also became uh, the president of the Utah Jail Commanders Association, where I also had to learn uh, how to run meetings and uh, and talk with the Sheriff's Association and the Utah Jails Commander Association. Also, a lot of search and rescue stuff. I was a commander of that for 20 plus years. So I have a lot of experience on how to uh, portray and guide people in the right way and orientate meetings. And, and But budgeting is a big thing. It's uh, one of the biggest budgets in uh, 
Grand County is to jail. And so, yeah, I think I have enough experience for that. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Kent. Uh, Joette, uh, you're up next. Thank you. Uh, I have a lot of experience in uh, running meetings. I was served on the Grand County Council for two terms. During that time, I was the vice chair or chair six years out of those eight years. I currently am the chair of the Healthcare Special Service District. I've been doing that for three years. I also was the former chair of the Moab's Tailings uh, Committee. And I also am the executive director of the Friends of Arches and Canyonlands Parks, where I have to coordinate meetings quarterly for the board. In terms of collaboration, I have a lot of experience in collaborating with the community. The Moab Area or Partnerships for Seniors is probably the best example where we had to bring back, bring together people from all over the community to make sure that that development was something that was going to be something that the community wanted. That, that vision includes the Grand Center, the hospital, the long-term care facility, the MAP Senior Housing Project. The other um, collaboration that I've continued to work with is the Moab Tailings Steering Committee, where we really wanted to make sure that the Department of Energy was making sure our community was safe. And so we had to bring all, all the uh, elected officials and other entities in the county together, and that continues to this day. Great, thank you, Joette. Stephen, and candidates, I can repeat the question if you need me to. Would you? <laughs> sure. Um, tell, us, tell us about your experience in uh, collaborative work and your familiarity with effectively running a, a meeting. I had the wonderful experience and opportunity of being the chairperson for the Grand County Change in Form of Government Study Committee. That group was a bipartisan group, and I was unanimously selected to run all the meetings. The meetings lasted roughly one year, and I was able to work collaboratively every meeting, and I led the effort. I made sure that every single person got an opportunity to speak regardless of their background and regardless of their ideas on an issue, regardless of if they were progressive or conservative, everyone had a chance. Another thing that allows me to have a lot of experience in this department is I'm, a, I'm an attorney by trade. Uh, I work day to day with a lot of family law cases, criminal cases, and what that allows me to do is be between two people, sometimes mediating the issue or setting expectations for clients. And if you've ever dealt with somebody and the love that they have for their child, I know no other thing in the world that is a very, very difficult thing to share when you go through a custody case. So I'm able to mediate issues, I'm able to see different points, and I'm able to make sure that everyone feels included in this process. And so that's the experience that I would bring to the table as a professional, is someone that's able to be neutral, independent of thought, and consider everyone's opinions so that they are allowed to express themselves fully regardless of their ultimate decision on the topic. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Thank you Stephen. Bill, uh, you're up. I believe most of my experience comes from being in construction most of my life. I've been owner of my own construction company the last 18 years. I worked um, diligently, regular, on a yearly basis in Nevada with unions, and so we would have to work out collective, collective bargaining in order between the employees and the employers to be able to get through on a yearly basis until there was a better stability in our country. So that went on for years. I've um, been able to bring both sides together between the union operatives and the owners. I worked from both sides of it. I started as an employee and then ended up as an employer. 
that's the majority of my experience in leading meetings. Um, I believe as a board member and advisor to several nonprofits that my meeting experience was certainly increased being on those boards. So bringing people together, that's really where I see my strength. Thank you. All right, thank you, candidates. For our next question, Erin Davies is first with Kent Green on deck. So morale has been low in recent months at City Hall. Allegations have been made at public meetings about real or perceived problems among city staff, the council, and mayor. Um, problems publicly mentioned include favoritism, retaliation, lack of accountability. Do you plan to address these allegations if elected, and how? What is your plan to help regain stability at City Hall and rebuild resident confidence in their local government? I think if I did not deal with those, tar and feathering would be happening soon. So definitely, yes, looking to deal with that. How is the question. Uh, I think it would begin with developing relationships uh, with beginning with the city and staff. Uh, my thought is to meet with everyone, beginning with the, the uh, employees that are the most uh, new in the company or in the, in, the, in the city, working my way up to the administrative people, understanding each individual person, letting them know that they matter to me individually. Now I understand that my supervisory responsibilities are limited to a few of the, the management type people, and certainly those relationships I will focus on to get to know them. I think a lot of it is making sure that <clears throat> everyone feels heard, that everyone feels like they have a safe environment to speak their mind. I'm convinced that a lot of the problems that we have in this community we can solve as a group. I believe we have, it's an amazing, amazing community. I love the diversity. I love that we have so many different people from so many different backgrounds and I believe that if we are allowed to enter into a safe environment, that if we are allowed to speak our mind knowing that it's, that, that it's safe, that I think we'll come up with a lot of those solutions. Um, I think, yeah, the favoritism part, um, it's just not my style. I don't, I don't know how to say it. It doesn't enter my mind. It, it's, a, it's a confusing thought that why would, why would that be the case uh, as far as having favorites. I might have some, well, I better stop because that bell's, bell's going to go. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Um, Kent, you are up next. Regaining stability in the city. Um, we always hear the negative um, about what's going on, uh, favoritism, uh, low morale, and things like that, what's going on in our community. But there's a lot of positive things that comes out with that also. Um, being positive is, is a big, big deal to me because um, that's when you bring the negative out. And by doing that, you go with... Uh, to each employee and you go with the managers and you have meetings and, and discuss on where we can take steps to, um, to further our, our encouragement of what's going on in the city. Now, as far as favoritism, I don't believe in it. Um, everybody has favoritisms, you know, you never know. You might look a big Newton over an Oreo cookie, I don't know. But uh, if it is an issue, then that's something that needs to be resolved as a group and as a city and let Moab know that we are working on that. And I'm a firm believer on not hiding anything. You know, I want that out there to the public. And obviously there's things that are privy to inside the city that the general public doesn't get to hear and things like that. I do understand that because of certain laws. And I just think we just need to work with each other and find out what's going on. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you, Kent. Joette, uh, you are up next. Can you read the question? Sure, of course. Um, morale has been low in recent months at City Hall. There have been allegations made at public meetings about real or perceived problems among city staff, the council, and mayor. Those problems that have been mentioned include favoritism, lack of accountability, and retaliation. Do you plan to address these allegations if elected and how? What is your plan to help regain stability at City Hall and rebuild resident confidence in their local government? Thanks. I really believe that we need to put the past behind us. I think that those issues came up. We've seen a lot of change that has occurred in City Hall, a lot of vacancies that are at City Hall, and I think the new mayor has the opportunity to meet with a, a part of the process of hiring a new city manager, and that's where we start. So I believe we need to put everything behind us, start fresh, start with new ideas, and make sure that everything that the city does is to put our residents first. I think that's one of the most important things that City Hall can do, and by doing that, our citizens are gonna be feel much more heard, and that's what I'm hearing out in the community. People are feeling left out, and they're feeling like nobody is listening to them. So I look at this as a great opportunity to start new, start fresh, and make sure that the city's transparent and that everything that's communicated gets out to the public. That's so important because if people feel listened to, then the community is going to feel like they're in a much better place. And so that's what I plan to do if I'm elected as, as, as the mayor. Thank you. Thank you, Joette. Stephen, uh, you're up next. I think this is a wonderful opportunity to explain what the mayor does. The mayor is the champion of running the city. They set out a manager, they set out a certain, uh, this, the agendas every day, and they make sure that the community has somebody that they can look to to know whether or not the city is functioning correctly. I think you do that, you have to do that, you have to address the concerns that we've recently had. The reason why is a lot of members of the community are really concerned with what's going on. And just brushing it under the rug is what the people are going to perceive it as if we don't address it. As mayor, how you address these things are number one, you're transparent about the process. It is important that the process is set out in place that everyone knows from HR to all the different departments how we can handle a complaint. And how do we raise a complaint about the city manager? And how do we raise a complaint about the mayor? That process should be set in place and it should be respected, regardless of who you know or who you don't know. Next, we need to be professional. That's really critical when we're dealing with each other in the community is we should be professional about how we go about each and every issue. And, and lastly, we need to problem solve. We need to look at what issues are coming out and we need to address them head on. And a lot of the issues have been with HR and so we need to make sure the training is there and we need to make sure that there's a system that people can address. I think you have to address these issues to regain stability and morale. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Bill, you're up. Thank you. I um, believe that morale is low throughout the community, not just in City Hall. So it, it's a problem, and people are, as they've mentioned as well, saying that it's um, every door you knock on, people feel like they're not being heard at City Hall or they're not able to get access to information. And I believe that we need to start there at the top in the mayor's position and bring a little integrity and a little bit of ethics and moral accountability to, so that the people have somewhere to look and we start department by department and go through. Staff is my guess, I'm not part of staff, I don't know, but my guess is that 
there's a lot of confusion and a lot of unanswered questions and I'm sure they're all scratching their head wondering which one of us is going to be mayor and be able to lead all this into the next phase but myself I really feel like bringing those qualities into City Hall is where we need to start and that's my intention okay thank you thank you Bill and, and finally we have Sherry well to echo Joette um, hopefully we get to start completely fresh um, addressing stability in City Hall Having favorites and a working city government is a breeding ground for toxicity. Everyone should be heard and their integrity of idea taken in. Not every idea is a good one, no matter how much you like the individual that has it. As far as community trust, um, my family and friends are mostly made up of your service worker and industry workers, and they have too much month left at the end of their money and feel that their city doesn't care for them. I will gain our community trust simply by being trustworthy and making sure the community at large stays informed. That's it. Thank you so much, Sherry. And thank you, candidates. Uh, this next question will go to Kent Green first, uh, which at Laney is on deck. So the mayor can play a big role in representing Moab at a state level. They can be involved with the Utah League of Cities and Towns and help staff and council prepare for the Utah legislative session. What do you consider the most pressing legislative issues for the city to be working on in the run-up to the 2022 Utah legislative session? And how will you be involved if elected as mayor? So let me get the question here that you're wanting to know about legislating. How would I would facilitate with that? Exactly. What would be your involvement and what are the most pressing issues that you think that you could be working on in the run-up to the next legislative session? Well, there's a, a lot of pressing issues uh, as our community goes, but by working with legislations, uh, we do have senators, and, uh, and we need to work through our senators to be able to do that and uh, get them down here, give them our concerns, and, and work with them, because that's what they're there for, to represent us and give them full support. Now, there's a lot of issues such as... Uh, um, rules and regulation on housing and things like that, that, that some of the rural areas um, are kind of bound by. And, and we need to figure out a way to get with these people and help us work through these issues and stuff so we can do the things we need to do without having a government on thumb on us all the time. So the, the key of working with legislation is going through our senators, our representatives. They're, they're the people there to represent us. Okay. Thank you. Th thank you, Kent. Joette, same question. Well, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what the pressing issues are until we see what our state legislatures are going to propose, which usually is something that um, overrides what the city has already done, which is always very frustrating for all of us. So my intent would be to be very involved at the state legislature level. I know our Senator David Hinkins quite well from the work that I've done on the Tanley's project and other issues. And so I would work with our city staff and also with the uh, city council because they're an important part of, part of the state legislative process as well. I intend to be up at the Capitol whenever needed, depending on what that issue is that's going to have an impact negatively or positively for the community. I think it's extremely important for us to keep our voice up there on Capitol Hill, and that's something that I intend to do, and I have 
lots of experience doing that, particularly in uh, Congress at the federal level, but also my connections at the legislature because of being a former council member, a lot of the former commissioners that I worked with are now state legislatures. So they all know me. My name is pretty recognizable. So I have no issue with talking to the folks up there to make sure that our priorities are their priorities. Thank you. Thank you, Joette. Stephen, you're up. Could you repeat the question? Again? Yes. The mayor can play a big role in representing Moab at a state level. Uh, they can help staff and council prepare for the Utah legislative session. What do you consider the most pressing legislative issues for the city to be working on in the run-up to the, the 2022 Utah legislative session? And how will you be involved if elected as mayor? The mayor is a lot of times the figurehead of the community. They need to work closely with the city council to be able to identify issues that they have backing on to move forward. I think one of the major issues that we have in this community is local control. That's often cited as a big friction point between the community and achieving the goals that they want to have done. Uh, some of the unique needs that we have in this area don't exist in other areas. We're rural, but we're also really urban in a lot of ways. We have things that other rural communities uh, don't have, and then we have impacts that other areas don't have as well. One of the giant ones is TRT. Being able to identify how we can address changes to, to TRT is a frequent issue for the state legislature, and that's often what we need to do to be, we also need to address that to make sure that we can get the funds that we need. Oftentimes, that means that we have to build relationships. We have to build relationships to our representatives that a lot of times don't come down to the area. And a lot of times lump us into San Juan County or lump us into areas uh, that really aren't like us. And so what we need to do is we need to reach out and build the relationships. Uh, the neat thing with myself is I'm an attorney. I have a built-in network of attorneys that I can reach out and communicate with. And a lot of your state legislature, uh, there are attorneys and they have the connections. So I'm able to walk into the process understanding the framework of how law becomes law and the process of reaching out to other individuals. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Stephen. Bill, same question. Yeah, I would say that at the state level, we have to go up there and develop some constructive relationships. I believe that what happens in Moab is most commonly overlooked up there or regularly overlooked and so we've got to work on those relationships. I believe I'm in a position as an independent to go up there. I'm a pragmatist, not an ideologue. You know, I know that there's always going to be tension between the state and local level and we have to do our best to try and represent ourselves up there in a way that is not confrontive or combative at the state level. And so it just, as we move forward, we've got to work with the community here to be represented up there so that our voice is heard and recognized. And we definitely have to work on that tax situation to where our fair share is coming back here. So that would be my goal. Okay, thank you, Bill. Sherry? Um, I will be a fierce advocate for Moab. I'll build relationships. I'll track bills that play into the city of Moab's interests. I will keep our voice heard at a state level. And the truth is I won't know exactly what there is or what can be done until I get there. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Aaron, uh, you're up. So uh, working with the Utah State Legislature, that begins January 18th. At this point, I don't know what they have going on this year. My intent is to then study that after the election 
and to learn as far as that first legislative session. Uh, it has been said, and I certainly agree, that building the relationships is the key to what is needed up there. We have had some rough spots with the state legislature, and it is my intent to build those relationships to where there is a trust, there is a belief that we can work together, uh, the way the government is organized, the Constitution gives the state all the power. They give the city and the county whatever they choose to give the city and the county. They can take it back. And whether or not we like that is not the point. They can't. <laughs> and we need to work within those constraints, understanding that. And so that means working with them from our position, from a humble position of being just a city. Being in a humble position doesn't mean we're not going to fight for what we believe we want and what we need. But it's, but it's giving them that position of respect, understanding that they are in that control. I've uh, been in these kinds of situations before. I'm totally convinced I can develop those kinds of relationships, help them have an understanding. I will have a work with that kind of attitude rather than a thumbing my nose at them, which they have experienced before. Um, yeah, it's the building relationships, like, like, like people have said. I certainly will be up there. I think every Friday there's a meeting. Uh, the Cowboy Caucus, I will be going to that, and that's the fundamental of building relationships. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, candidates. If you're just tuning in, this is KZMU's 2021 Candidate Roundtable, supported by the Grand County League of Women Voters. We are with the six candidates running for Mayor of Moab. I'm Molly Marcello, News and Public Affairs Director at KZMU. We are now going to open the floor to our media partners, the Moab Sun News and the Times Independent. They will each be asking different questions to each candidate on the same topic. The questions have been tailored to each candidate based on previous statements that candidates have made to the papers. Representing the Moab Sun News is staff writer Allison Hartford. The topic is how candidates will support issues that are important to them within the framework of the mayoral position. So we're going to start off with uh, candidate Joette Langanese and candidate Stephen Stocks is on deck. Take it away, Allison. So Joette, you said you believe your prior leadership experience has helped you learn how to facilitate meetings. What specific tactics do you have for facilitating debate and how would you manage conflict outside of city council meetings? Okay, so um, say that last part again. Yeah, so how would you manage conflict outside of city council meetings? Oh, well, you listen. I mean, that's, that's the simple solution. You always listen first. Let people communicate to you and then pay attention to what they're saying. And then after that, you, have, you develop the conversation. Conflicts outside of the city hall, um, they happen often. In our community, it's very divided. And reality is we have, we're very close together on a lot of issues. So I think the key is to make, make sure that we find that common ground and use that common ground to come to a conclusion that we can all work together to solve. So for me, the best way to solve conflict is just to listen to the other side, listen to all sides, because there's good points and bad points on each side, and as long as we listen to what people say, then we can come to a fair conclusion. And even if it's not something that I agree with, I think that it's really important to recognize that and move on with what that, what that conclusion is. Thank you. Um, Stephen, when we talked, you said that you want everyone in the community to be heard, not just the loudest voices. 
How will you ensure that citizens who don't normally attend city council meetings and who maybe don't have the time or the resources to do so will have their opinions heard? What can you change to ensure that they will be heard? One of the one of my personal passions is I'm, I'm fluent in Spanish. And I, in my work, I communicate with a lot of people from the Spanish-speaking uh, Spanish area. I do immig immigration law. And that's a really simple fix. What we could do is we can put the agenda in Spanish. We can have in interpreters available. With a 12% population in the Moab area that speaks Spanish, that's mind-boggling that we haven't yet reached out to that community. And yet we're there when there's... Uh, when ICE comes into town, the city has responded. But a lot of times, we don't, we don't do things at the city level that could be really simple to reach out. Uh, continuing on that as well, we have a lot of weight that we put on the Multicultural Center for translating services. In my work representing people for, for criminal cases, a lot of times you'll have a child explaining uh, to their parents that they have a no-contact order. That is horrendous. That is terrifying. Um, and we could have Spanish-speaking services within the city. That's one easy fix that's really manage manageable to do. And the next, we can really advocate. I think the mayor can reach out to the community and be open and have an open door policy. I think having town hall meetings and kind of giving the ability to the community to, to communicate on a frequent monthly basis would be something that would be nice as well. Thank you. Thank you. Bill, you've said that you're running for mayor because you believe there needs to be more transparency at City Hall. The city discusses their budget and housing-related agenda items in public meetings, which have associated documents online, and they are available to the public online. So how would you work within the framework of the mayoral position to create more transparency at City Hall when it comes to the budget and housing issues? The budget is online. You have to dig very deep to find items in that budget that you want to look for. You also have to go in and request through a grammar process if you want to find out what employees' wages are. Now, there are fair.gov websites and different ones out there that try and post it based off of information they have, but why do we have to go there? Why is it not available to the public? The, everything from wages to line items on the budget, the enterprise fund, there's all kinds of things. The enterprise fund was set up to handle infrastructure repairs, but yet currently we're, it depends on what word you wanna use, but robbing is a good one, to cover overhead, salaries, when that fund was intended for infrastructure. So there's a lot of line items that are on the budget and to the average person it's hard to find out what those mean and we've got to make it to where it's obvious what's going on in there there's a money trail and it shouldn't require a grammar request to find out what an employee at the city of moab makes so my goal would be to open that up more and to make it to where people can walk in it should be any person off of the street to come in and find that information Thank, Thank you. you. So Sherry, you mentioned something that's important to you is seeing more community involvement at City Hall. How would you adjust the citizens to be heard section of city council meetings to allow for more community involvement? I don't know what adjustments would need to be made. I think that more our community, more community would be involved in my run if I were there because in the short of the amount of people that I know and the age group and my demographic of our community. 
Um, I have kids that are in their 20s and their friends, and then my husband's seven years younger than I am, and our friends all together, and collectively, that demographic doesn't really get invested into politics. They don't think that their city or this administration really cares about what they have to say. So open the mic up, make the space bigger. Thanks. Um, Aaron. Throughout this forum, you've said that what makes you a good candidate is your ability to bring people together. If the city council and the citizens are in a disagreement, such as what happened this past summer with the property tax debate, how would you manage that conflict outside of city council meetings? Well, it's been said, but certainly it's a, it's a matter of listening. It's a matter of creating that safe space for everyone to listen. Uh, <coughs> a mayor can meet with one council person alone, that is legal, and I would, I would look to do that. I would look to have those personal conversations, develop those relationships uh, over some period of time, I hope quick. Those relationships would get to where we have an understanding. We understand where we agree and where we disagree, and we would find ways to kind of work toward the parts that we do agree. So when we get in the meetings, we're not surprised by anything anyone else is, is saying. Um, the phrase I like is that to have empathy and compassion for each other, even when we disagree. Uh, one of the main reasons I'm running for mayor is because of what I've seen happening in our community. I love this community. Uh, I love the Red Rocks have since a kid. I grew up in Utah. I've been coming here since a long time ago. Um, and I love the diversity it was just amazing to have this kind of diversity. And we basically got along this first number of years I was here, but that's changing. A lot of anger going on, fear, hate going on. That's just, oh, I, oh, it makes me so sad to see that hate. And I believe that if we just stop for a minute, choose to trust each other, just step back for a minute, I believe we can come together and find some solutions without getting so angry, etc. So can... When we spoke, you mentioned to me that you're running for mayor because you want to help alleviate pressure on the community um, while also being a part of Moab's future growth. Do you think those are competing ideas? And if not, why not? How would you work within the framework of the mayoral position to help Moab grow while also relieving current pressures related to that growth? Well, obviously Moab's still growing. And uh, we're going to get a lot of pressure. And... Uh, Quite frankly, if you just look at the valley, everything's just moving south. And it goes into San Juan County. Um, to alleviate some of that pressure, you know, one of the things uh, we need to do is explore is, is I still believe we need a, a bypass through Moab. And I think that needs to be explored um, more because we do have a lot of traffic on Main Street. As we all know, we have a state highway. It runs right through Moab, Utah. And uh, with the construction that just happened, you know, now we've alleviated some traffic and uh, it goes through a little faster. But the problem we're going to face is where are we going to put it? Because a lot of people don't want it in their neighborhood. Uh, they don't want it in their backyard. Uh, housing is a big issue. You know, we're, you know, we're getting a lot of pressure for that. Uh, I personally believe that, that we need to do... Um, Number one, the city shouldn't be in the real estate business. Uh, number two, I think we need to think about more building 
tiny homes, uh, apartment rentals, because a lot of people need to get a start uh, by renting an apartment. A lot of couples, a lot of single people need to do that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's just getting with the community and get their ideas. That, that's where it's at, because we, we work for the people if we're elected. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Allison and the Mobson News. Up next is Carter Poppy of the Times Independent. Carter will now be asking questions based on the TI's election coverage. Um, Carter has tailored uh, his questions to each individual candidate based on previous statements that candidate has made to uh, the paper. The topic is water. Uh, we're going to start with candidate Stephen Stocks. Candidate Bill Winfield is on deck. All right, Stephen, uh, many of the people sitting next to you and probably many of the people in this room have differing views about what the studies of MOAB's groundwater systems show about the availability or lack of availability of water in the valley. While part of this is a difference in emphasis, the discussion around groundwater is also laden with contradictory factual claims. What is your plan to wade through the competing interpretations of the facts about water availability in Moab? In other words, how will you move this discussion toward a shared understanding of the facts? Now, I'll be the first to tell you I am not a water expert. I think there are many people in this community have a lot of knowledge about water and about the studies. What we need to do is we need to reach out to the individual individuals that know the topics. We need to bring them forward. We need to have workshops. We need to have the ability to communicate with all of the different positions on, uh, on the individuals that say, well, we think that we're using every single droplet of water that falls each year. We think we're using that amount and the aquifers won't support the current growth. If there are people of that mindset, we need to give them the ability to talk. And then we also need to give the people that don't want to push the big red button that slows everything down and puts restrictions in place. Because ultimately what happens is it's the city council that's going to make the big decisions on this. And so as the mayor, you need to reach out to all the different groups that want to have a say at the table. And I think based on my conversations with people that are running for city council and the people that are in there, these are very motivated and intelligent people that are going to go through and, and listen to the factors and listen to all the different evidence, and they're going to make their own individual decision. Because I, as mayor, I don't have the uh, ability to just force an issue through, but ultimately it's going to be their say. And so that's how I wade through is by presenting the opportunity for people to come and present evidence. And I'm not going to be an obstructionist where I'm selecting people uh, based on my personal beliefs or based on my um, preference, but instead having an open communication to get uh, a good decision at the end of the day. Okay, thanks Stephen. Uh, Bill, you said in your answers to our questions about water, quote, as the city's water conservation plans make clear, sustainable growth will not overdraw our aquifer, end quote. That sentiment, as I just alluded to, contradicts what your peers, some of your peers have said about the water situation. Some have said that studies indicate the aquifer does not have as much water as previously thought. So which is it? Is our growth sustainable, or are the studies yielding alarming results? <laughs> that might be loaded. Um, there's no doubting that we live in a drying west town that's in the middle of a, a drought. Okay, we're here. This is the desert. It's Utah. There's no way around it. But the studies 
And currently the city of Moab's 2021 study shows that there's more than enough water to substantiate some future growth, especially for affordable housing. I'm not talking about growth for large corporations, more hotels. I'm talking about growth that we need right now in the housing sector. We don't, we don't need it three years ago. We don't need it in five years. We did need it three years ago, but we've got to do it now. It's got to happen this year. It's got to happen next year and the following year until we've got the housing needs met. And by its own admission, the 2021 water study shows that 20% of the total water used in Moab is lost from the point of conception to your water meter and my water meter. The city has a 20% loss. It's time to start looking at that as well as incentives to bring people and in try and get them to do away with some of these large lawns and other water uses that we're in the middle of. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Sherry. <laughs> on the subject, <laughs> on the subject of disagreeing interpretations of the studies of Mobs Aquifers, who are the authorities you trust to help you interpret the findings? Should we trust the state engineer whose numbers indicate that we can draw more from the aquifer than we currently do? Is it city staffers who created the reports that similarly indicate we have more in our watershed we could extract? Or is it the people saying we need to be more careful? <laughs> Carter. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's not just one or the other. I think it would be a culminative of everything and keeping track and continuing studies. I mean, our water is a life-giving resource. Um, we need to keep with the ongoing studies and act accordingly. I think as far as plans of actions, should we end up with less water than we thought we had? Um, that should be known to everybody prior to some chaotic event. You know, I hope we don't get to the point where we have to implement like water quotas, um, but maybe like Bill said, to give incentives to persons and business and homes for their water using discretion. Um, but yeah, I think it's not just a one or the other to listen to. It's gonna be accumulation of, I, I mean, I, I agree with science. So, studies. Okay, thanks Sherry. Aaron, uh, so you said in our responses to our questions about water, quote, taking care of our water is the responsibility of the entire community, end quote. Uh, you also said it would be important to focus on our, quote, individual similarities, not our dif differences, end quote. As useful as finding common ground is, there are also important differences between people in the community. For example, some people use a lot more water than others because they have lawns. What is your approach to acknowledging and addressing those important differences between people in these discussions? Yes, well, political scientists have been asking that question for a very long time. That is the key of how we live in a society. We have different desires, interests, and abilities. Our use of water is a great example. Part of that use that you get into is that use or is it abuse? And yes, there's a difference of opinion. 
the same use, the same activity of it can be viewed differently. That is the problem, and, and that is part of the problem, that we have those differences. I mean, clearly we have limited water, so keeping watch on it is, uh, we, we must do that. It, it appears from the city study that we're doing okay, great. Uh, let's keep watching it. My concern is that in every area, and this is a prime area, that we not respond out of fear. The, to imagine, oh, we're all going to die in 10 years because the water runs out. Um, a lot of other things we'll probably die of in 10 years, but it's not, I don't think it's water. It, it is a very difficult thing. It really means a matter of talking with people, respecting each other's opinion, respecting their perspective. There, this is something that we're never going to have an answer on. It always is going to be people who are making their best efforts, educated people, and they're going to come up with some different ideas. We're never going to get a single answer. So it does mean a matter of trying to have that agreeable nature, work together, be smart about how we restrict, and also make sure that the economy keeps going and people, we don't go back to 1985. We want to make sure we never do that. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, Kent, some of the city council candidates have argued that once mob is out of water, that's it. We're all out. You've expressed that you don't see a high risk of overdrawing our aquifers. So what is your response to Moabites who express concern about overdrawing our aquifer, especially your opponents who say that it's a serious present risk? Well, it's really hard to talk about water since we've been getting all the moisture we've been getting here lately, <laughs> you know, which is great. It's a blessing. Um, just by reading your article, as a matter of fact, uh, what you put, the information that you gave us about uh, the studies that have been done, um, it, it shows that uh, we're currently not at a high risk. That we're currently not at a high risk level right now. Um, do I think it's important? Yes. Um, you know, it's uh, we've got to take in consideration when planning for future businesses and and. Uh, and also in the county and not only the city, but we definitely need to be proactive in protecting our source so our future residents don't have to uh, be reactive to mismanaged aquifer. Um, we're already trending down for usage of water in the city right now, so there would be no reason to implement the new plan that, that they're doing right now. It seems to be look, working pretty good. But at the end of the day, people know when they're being wasteful. And we should continue to encourage locals and visitors to be mindful when we're using our water. And that would be the best way to manage our usage, I think. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. And Joette. So you said in your water answers, quote, it is my opinion that residents should come first when there is not enough water to meet the demands, end quote. Residents make up 50%, 50%, of the usage of the municipal water system. A lot of that goes toward landscaping. By comparison, far less goes towards lodgings. How can you significantly reduce water usage, which you say is important, if you're not going after the biggest water users, residents? Your questions, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, um, I, I, there's a water conservation plan that the city has put in place and I believe that we need to follow that plan. I think that a lot of residents really don't know what their options are. That plan has not, I mean, I have never seen that plan. 
it's never really come out to the public. And so people don't know what they need to do to help reduce their water consumption, then they don't know what to do. So it's really important that the city and as mayor, I will ensure that that gets communicated to the public that this is your options. These are some of the things you can do. Repeat, repeat, repeat. If you continue to repeat the options that people have to reduce their consumption, eventually they're gonna to start to listen to you. And I, and I don't think that people wanna to wait to the point where we have to do it. So let's get people educated now and then allow them to choose what they need to do that will meet the needs for their gardens, for their lawns, which I agree with others that have said we need to get away from lawns. Um, you know, let them have the opportunity, but they need to know what those options are. And um, I do believe that in the future, we need to be prepared for where, who's going, when we do, if we do have a water shortage, who's gonna get that water first? Okay, thanks, Joette. Thank you so much to our media partners, the Times Independent and the Moab Sun News. If you are just tuning in, this is KZMU's 2021 Candidate Roundtable supported by the Grand County League of Women Voters. We are here with the six candidates running for mayor of the city of Moab. Um, we are flying through this event, so we do have time for a listener-submitted question, candidates. Um, so we're gonna do that now. Um, this listener question was submitted to KZMU via email ahead of this event. This is a general question that will be asked of all candidates. Like all of our other questions, candidates will have 90 seconds to respond. Um, Bill Winfield, uh, you're up first, and Sherry Costanza is on deck. So many of you have heard from community members that housing, its affordability, its availability is the number one issue in our town. Uh, the mayor you know, cannot vote, but they do set the agendas for the city council. How would you influence local lawmakers in a way that could help our housing crisis? Can you name some you know, real actionable steps that you would take as mayor um, in the short and long term? Sure, the, the first thing we need to do is we need to get something being built on Walnut Lane. I believe there's 82, maybe it was 84 units planned down there. We're into the year three here. I think we're closing out year three and we haven't built anything. We've got to move that forward. We turned into just being a slumlord, really. When you go down there and walk through, and I knocked on all those doors two days ago in that trailer court, and it's appalling what's going on just where they are living currently. So first, we've got to move Walnut Lane forward. We've got to get the infrastructure done, and we've got to get some houses built in there, and that might be that we've got to look to some other organizations that we haven't involved currently even if we just go to them for their advice, who's built more houses in Moab than the housing authority? Who's built, who else has helped us here? The Straw Bell community, there's been all kinds of people and yet we're down there spinning our wheels and those folks, um, whew, I feel bad for them. So that's the first place we need to start and then we've got to start looking for other areas. We need a couple of more high density housing units. We need another cinema courts. I mean, I think there's only 60 units there, but we've got to get some housing quickly, and we need to go to those people that have the experience to help us and possibly get us out of the landlord business. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Um, Sherry, you're, you're up. 
Question. Sure. Um, you know, the mayor ca uh, cannot vote, but they do set agendas for the city council. How would you influence local lawmakers in a way that could help our housing crisis? Can you name some real actionable steps that you would take as mayor to address housing in the short and long term? I, I don't know the answers as far as the housing. Um, I don't want to say crisis goes, affordable housing. We need a hotel-sized housing for less single families and more single people. Um, I guess, you know, having, having people stay in their campers and such until something passed. You know, I have a lot of people ask, and I see it a lot on the Moab Classified ads and such about people wanting a driveway or a place to set up for the season for them to work and they need a place to park their camper so possibly alleviating some of those codes for some people to do that but you'd have to have kind of a time time proximity on such because you wouldn't want that to become an overran sort of everybody living in driveways but yeah we need to we need to work on a solution that and I don't I don't know what that is I don't know if anybody does yet or I think that they would have came up with that by now so it's a works in progress thank you Sherry Aaron you're up first actionable step is make it a priority choose as a city the most important thing is the housing a lot of other fun projects that people in the city and the, the council, the mayor, are spending time on that are not the priority. The city spends money, but they also spend time. When the housing, when the planning department is being spent, is having, is directed to spend time on other stuff, that means it's not a priority. A priority is a priority. It means first thing. Most of the time being spent. So actionable steps, that has to do with making it a priority. More specifically, the priority would be higher density. The city and the county for the last few decades has been focused on low density. They have insisted that the lots be large, that there be empty spaces, which became weed patches. A large lot automatically means an expensive house. So it means switching directions and going with the high density and committing to it, making the hard choices. Some people are going to complain about it. It means all those projects in the last few years that the city council has voted down because one of their favorite benefactors has gotten on their case and said, you better not let that in my neighborhood. This is countrywide. A lot of cities are having problems with certain people having too much influence and large beneficial projects not being allowed. That needs to change in Moab. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Kent, you are up. I'm up. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I agree with everybody that's here. Uh, definitely Walnut Lane is a big uh, issue here. We need to get off our duffs and get it done. Um, how do we do that? I don't know. Um, but obviously there's a lot of in input from the community. Uh, we have a great uh, realtor um, workforce here in Moab, and they're smart. They're not dummies, and we need to get with them. And um, affordable housing is a is at the heart of this trend that we're in. And uh, we have nowhere for families to start out in this town. We need to fix that. Uh, how do we do it? I don't know. 
You know, we get people together and figure it out. I want to find realistic solutions to this problem and would definitely pursue policies to create affordable housing in this town. In a way, in a way, building, you know, rentals and, and uh, first home inventories, we need to stop talking about and just do it and get it done. Um, I think apartments need to be built. That's first, first, that way people can move into them, save their money, and then they can buy their house. Um, we've, you know, we've got to get rid of, you know, we've got to get high density. Uh, I don't know why we haven't explored Sitland land. And uh, I think that's another way, you know, because not only it benefits uh, the housing issues, but it might benefit the schools also. Okay. Thank you, Thank you Kent. Uh, Joette? I feel as though um, the, city, the city could be a great facilitator for workforce housing, but, and they shouldn't get in the way of what we want to do. We've got community rebuilds. We've got um, the housing authority. We've got the um, Moab Land Trust. So the city can help facilitate that. Some of the action steps that we can take, example, the MAP Senior Housing down on that property where the hospital is, the healthcare district donated that land to the housing authority. So that took that price right off the table. They were able to put all the funding for that project into the project. Fantastic housing opportunity for seniors. There's eight acres of land down there I think that it would really be important for the city to work with the Healthcare Special Service District to talk about perhaps developing some housing down there for healthcare workforce. That's a real need in this community. We all know that healthcare is a huge priority for those of us that live here, for our vis visitors, and for future development. So it seems to me that there's a lot of opportunity. The city should let those options happen and kind of get out of the way and make sure that they, they can they can work the way that we need them to work for our community so the workforce is taken care of so that we have the services that we need. Okay. Thank you, Joette. Stephen. Could you repeat the question one more time? Yes, of course. Um, many of you have heard from community members that housing, its affordability, its availability is the number one issue in our town. Um, how would you influence local lawmakers in a way that could help our housing crisis? Can you name some real actionable steps that you would take as mayor to address housing in the short and long term? I think the number one thing to realize is the mayor's role. Um, everyone up here gave wonderful answers about how they would personally take action and, and lead the charge. But the first thing that you need to do is you need to reach out to your city council members. They're the ones that, the, that are the policymakers. They set the stage. As mayor, we can't run out and go change things or try to take this under our own control and power. There are some places where we can. We can definitely do things with Walnut Lane. But apart from that and beyond that, we're limited by the city council. We need to first and foremost reach out to every city council member and say, hey, where are you at on this issue? I haven't been in office, so I don't know what's going on. What are your perceptions? And you talk to each city council member. You talk to the three that will be in there. Uh, and the two outgoing and the two ingoing. You sit down, have a conversation. Next, as mayor, you set the agenda. You set it out as a priority goal. Hey, we're gonna talk about the housing issue. And this is really important to me. Do you guys feel the same way? Because if your city council isn't behind you, which I believe they will be, but you need to build that bond to start off. So first, number one is talking with them. Next, bringing other people to the table. Now, I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not a developer. So you need to communicate with people like, like that to help bring forward the, the charge on, on making decisions. And again, the mayor is supposed to be neutral. We're not supposed to be advocating or trying to put our thumb on the scale, but instead let the city council make their decision and make their decision be heard. 
Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. I cannot believe it, but we are nearing the close of this mayoral candidate event. Um, we are moving on now to closing statements. Uh, closing statements are typically an opportunity for candidates to clarify or expand upon a point that they've made earlier in the evening. You can also summarize your campaign and why voters should elect you to be a decision maker to be mayor for the next four years. Candidates uh, will have one minute only um, for their closing statement. Uh, we're going to start with Sherry Costanza. Aaron Davies is on deck. Greetings, Moab, my fellow candidates. KMZU, thank you for the production. I am your first choice mayor, hopeful Sherry Costanza. I live here. I'm running on the hopes of bringing together our great community with a focus of our younger population by giving them space and activities dedicated to this safe and organized gatherings. I will do everything I can to see that our community feels that their elected officials care and have the interest of the residents who make Moab home. We will work together the way a small town should. I would like to see a more logical and sustainable solution to our housing issue. As Stephen said, that it is a city council thing all the way, and I will support them as much as possible. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Aaron. Yes, Aaron. Uh, firm, compassionate leadership. That's what I am claiming I will bring to the office of mayor. Uh, almost opposite things it could be. But that is what I'm claiming, that when the issue is clear and we've come to an agreement that I will be firm in pressing through. The compassion is to understand each individual and where tough times are hurting people and to, to respond to that. I'm asking you all to vote for me. I'm asking you, when you do vote, vote alone. Don't be pressured. Don't have uh, peer pressure convince you what you should vote. Vote by yourself. It used to be we'd go in the booths and no one could watch us. Vote like that. Uh, my website, AaronForMayor.org, has a ranked choice voting link. You can understand that better. It also has a registration link. My goal is to move forward, not the fantasy of moving back. Move forward with vision into a new and better Moab. Thank you, Aaron. Kent. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been great. Um, I just want everybody to know that I'm, I'm running because I'm very passionate about our community and about our city. Um, coming, uh, my grandkids are seven generations here. We have a lot of time in Moab and um, I'm just, just very passionate. But I just want people to know that I will have an open door policy by phone, by just coming in, um, whatever, setting up a, um, a web page where they can and ask questions and things like that. But I want everybody to know that uh, as a mayor, I work for everybody, not just a few handful. And that's been a big issue in Moab. And uh, I just want people to know that, uh, that they can come to us, come to me, and uh, I'm gonna be fair and transparent, and I'm gonna listen to all, not just a few. Thank you. Thank you, Kent. Joette. Yes, thank you guys for hosting this. This has been a great opportunity for the community. Um, as a 24-year resident of Moab, I love this place, and I care about this place just like every candidate up here does. I feel like we've seen a lot of changes over the years, and the city is facing quite a few challenges. I feel like that requires somebody with a lot of experience and leadership, 
and I feel like I bring that to the table. I know that through the experience that I've had over the last 24 years, that I can help move our town into the right, into a good and right positive direction. I'm up to the task. I will hit the ground running as soon as I'm in office, and I will deal with all the promises and challenges that our community face in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you, Joette. Stephen. Hello again, my name is Stephen Stocks. I'm running for mayor. Um, I'd ask for your consideration. My goal is to go into the role of mayor and carry forward good governance. And what that looks like is that's leadership from the top down. So that everyone knows when they come to City Hall that the process will be transparent, there'll be open communication, and that you'll get treated like everybody else, not just about who you know. I'm an individual that can communicate with the most progressive to the most conservative individual in the community. And that's what you need in the mayor. You need somebody that every single person in this community can reach out and talk to. Most important, I'm a professional. Uh, in my daily life, I maintain a standard of professionality, and it is critical that we get somebody in the office that's not looking to, to achieve one goal or another goal in an issue-based uh, stance, but instead to be open to the transparent, neutral process, and I believe I can do that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Stephen and Bill. Thank you um, for letting me be a part of this, for sure. Moab is made up of both long-term residents and new residences here, and they've always opened up. The city of Moab has always opened up its arms to everybody, and we have to continue doing that. And in order to continue doing that, we need housing. We've got to be able to house these people that have nowhere to live in this city that we're part of. We don't even have a housing director at the city. We've got so many directors over there. Why not a housing director? So let's move forward. Let's get some of this stuff taken care of. Let's get some people into some houses. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a politician, and I'm not going to apologize for not being one. I think it's time for just some common sense to be brought into Moab, and that's what I'm offering. Thank you. Thank you so much, candidates. Um, we want to extend a big thank you to all six candidates running for mayor of City of Moab. Public discourse isn't easy, but it's always important, and we thank you. Um, can we have a small round of applause from our live audience? Thank you. Before. Before we pack up tonight, I do want to remind listeners that Election Day is Tuesday, November 2nd. Registered voters should be receiving their ballot by mail this week. In addition to thanking all 11 candidates who participated in uh, tonight's event, uh, we want to thank everyone who made it happen. Thank you so much to the Grand County League of Women Voters for your support, sponsorship, and volunteers. Thank you to the Moab Arts and Recreation Center for hosting us this evening. Thank you to the Times Independent and the Moab Sun News for your election coverage and coming here tonight to ask questions. And thank you to the people listening from home for participating in our local election process. If you missed any portion of this three-hour event, you will be able to listen to it later. We will get it on our website as soon as possible at kzmu.org. And one more thank you to our KZMU staff and volunteers who made this roundtable happen. Um, there's Bob and Donnie doing all of the engineering over there. Kick 
is in the on-air booth making sure things sound good, and Sarah, general manager, of course. Thank you, Sarah. KZMU's mission is to inform, educate, engage, entertain, and connect the communities of southeastern Utah. We seek to provide our community with opportunities to exercise their First Amendment rights, regardless of beliefs or circumstances, and we hope we have achieved that this evening. Thank you.